Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dual Screens Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Fontana, and with me, as always, he's over there in the other box. He's Andy Asimakis. How are you, Andy? I'm a little overwhelmed, Stephen. You're overwhelmed? How does one write an intro for a guy that's been doing voice for video games mm. for over 20 years? 20 years. It's a long, long ass time. Uh, that is, it's it's a long ass time, but mm. I'm up for the challenge, and I hope you are you are too. This should be this should be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, we we with us this this for this show, and and this is really awesome because it's one of my favorite characters in all in all of gaming, and and who knows how many other games. Uh, he, his voice has been in that I just don't even know about. We have Doug Cockle with us. And now, if you don't know who that is, it's essentially Geralt of Rivia. That's really what you need. That's what you could probably know him from. But also, Tales of Iron, who is a former guest of the show as well. Doug, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you here. Hello. It's very nice to be here, guys. This is awesome. Uh, very exciting. Um crazy um yes yeah, so but let's just i mean i don't even know how to start with this conversation because uh, honestly 20 years long career um obviously one the the witcher especially the witcher 3 one of the biggest games to come out in the, in this last generation um andy do you have a lead-off question of the of the show that you want to start us off with no i'm a little bummed out because i can usually comb through a voice actor's imdb for like a funny role i did like years ago like mm-hmm. What's it like playing the whore in like Grand Theft Auto 3? Right, right. <laughs> but Doug's resume is like so clean and yes. awesome. It's like, fuck, you've done, a, you've done a lot of my favorite games. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm, sure I've, I'm sure I've played something in my past that uh, mm. it, it could be roughly the equivalent of whore number three. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Well... Speaking of whores, we are the Dual Screens Podcast, the internet's number one indie developer, indie performer, just video game, everything related, interview podcast starring two dudes you've never heard of, probably. The show posts each and every Friday for your listening pleasure on your podcast service of choice, including our home, podbean.com. And of course, we're on Apple, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on everything. And of course, you can watch the video version of the podcast on youtube.com slash dual screens TV. And if you want to support us on Patreon, it's very simple. Go to patreon.com slash NDS podcast. And we want to thank our Patreon producers, Colton the Apprentice Nestler, FNH Paul, and Vegas Girl on Fire. We simply cannot grow and continue to do this show without all of your support so thank you so much for doing so goodness as if as if the witcher wasn't enough then tales of iron comes our way andy and we were flabbergasted at this at, at looking at this game and the interview of course was fantastic and all that stuff doug how did you get involved with video game and voice acting how did this all start Oh, it was kind of an accident, really. Um, I mean, I, I trained as an actor, so I was all, you know, I was working as a professional actor. And when I first moved to the UK, because I, I live over here in the UK, um, when I first moved here, um, it was just, it was meant to be short term, and that was in 1999, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was living, my wife and I were living with her parents up in York, England, which is northern England, and. Um, I did this play at the York Theatre Royal, kind of talk, talked my way into a job there and, and did this play. And through that play, I met a, an agent who didn't know what to do with me because I was an American in England. And, and back at that time, that wasn't as common as it is now. Right. Um, and this agent, she stayed in touch. 
And one day she called me up and said, there's a, there's a voice production studio over in Harrogate, which isn't far from York. And they're casting the lead character in a video game. And um, they're interested in having you come over and meet them. So I went over there and I'd never done anything like it before. I'd only done a little bit of voiceover work. Uh, and I went to the recording studio, which was in this guy's house. He, he, he kind of turned, he'd built a, an extension onto his house. Oh, that's awesome. Created this recording studio. Yeah, so his kids were running around in nappies and stuff. And, you know, he was a really nice guy. Mark S. Dale is his name. And his company, Outsource Media, um, they were fairly new. They'd only been running for a couple of years, I think, at the time. But I went into the booth. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never done anything like it before. So I just did what I thought was right. And uh, in the end, they cast me in the lead character in the game, uh, as the lead character in the, in the game. This was like this was a game called Independence War Two: Edge of Chaos. That's and a I name. That is a yeah. very 1999 <laughs> yeah, name it? for a game. <laughs> it's all set in space, um, and I played the protagonist Cal, um, who's a, a kind of a uh, well, when we first meet him, he's a kid and his dad is like a space miner guy, he mines asteroids and stuff. And he gets into some kind of trouble and ends up killed, I think. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. It's such an old game now. I don't know <laughs> if everybody's going to go looking for it. But um, And then fast forward, you know, 10 years later or whatever, and Cal's in his uh, late teens or early 20s or something. And uh, yeah, and it, it carries on from there. And so, yeah, that was my first job in the in the gaming industry. And I just kind of learned the ropes of working on Mike um, by doing it. Mm. And uh, yeah, Outsource Media just kept bringing me back for more and more games and stuff. And um, yeah, just kind of, that's how it happened. So it wasn't something I actually thought about doing. It was something sure. that kind of happened as a very happy accident. And wow. I loved video games, so I was thrilled. You know, I was like, wow, I didn't even know this was an option. Because they, they had only been doing voices in video games for a short period of time, maybe a couple of years. And at the time, this was one of those games that um, it was kind of the, the beginning of the RPG type of uh, video game genre. Um, I mean, in this in the format that we now think of it as, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and as Witcher 3 became the, the best example of when it came out. Um, so yeah, that's that's how that's how I got started. Wow, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to digest like how does someone go from not much experience to starring in one of the biggest franchises ever to now? Uh, well, to now well, it was a <laughs> it was a process, Andy. It was a process. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, Witcher 3 came along in, I think we started recording Witcher 3 in 2013, uh, 20, 2012, 2013. It came out in 2015. And by that point, I'd been doing voiceovers in video games, as well as TV and film and stage work and stuff. But I've been doing video game voiceovers since... Um, uh, I can't remember exactly when we recorded that first game. I think it was October 1999. So, you know, for whatever it was, 15 years, I've been working in the industry doing lead roles in various games and stuff. And 
Witcher 3 was the result of Witchers 1 and 2. And Witcher 1, when I was first cast in that, it was just another game like all the others. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I say that, but I don't mean just like all the others. I mean, you know, every game is is great and fantastic and important when you're doing it because it's it's work and and it's uh, and it's what you know what I love to do. So every game is great when I'm doing it. But in terms of what The Witcher was when when we did Witcher 1. It was a young developer doing their first big game um, with, uh, in, in, a, in a fantasy world that was unknown in, in the West uh, and in a lot of other countries as well. The Witcher was big in, in um, Poland and some of the other um, Eastern European kind of countries and in Germany, I think, as well, because it's, that's where its fan base was, but particularly in Poland. But nobody in the West really knew about The Witcher. So it, Witcher 1 came out and it developed kind of a cult following and people, you know, people who played it loved it. Um, and then Witcher 2, uh, there was a bit more hype around that. But, but even then, um, the, the blockbuster that Witcher 3 became um, was still a long way on the horizon. I mean, I was talking with the guys at CD Projekt, they had big, big plans, big ideas, and they really wanted to make their mark on the gaming industry. Um, so yeah, it, it, Witcher 3 was a process, you know, mm. um, and it, it earned its chops through Witcher 1 and 2. And then, you know, CD Projekt just did a fat, fantastic job with the whole thing. And it is what it, what it now is. And, and, and now uh, you're narrating a game about rats versus frogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that also. I think that is like what you should be remembered for in your career, to be honest. But let's face it. Witcher is all good and all, but this game is like on a whole other level. Yeah, you know, I've I've seen I've only seen a little bit of the gameplay, you know, the, mm-hmm. the trailer and stuff like that. And I've seen some of the concept art and things like that. But I, I have no idea what the game's actually gonna play like. But I, I, the art I've seen and the trailer I've seen uh, that I did the voice for as well. Um it just looks awesome. And I said to the guys at Oddbug Studio when we were recording the, the um, I think it was the trailer we were recording, and we were just chatting after the recording session. And, um, and I said, guys, I have to honestly say, I'm really looking forward to playing this game. It looks really, really fun. Um, you know, and that was genuine from the bottom of my heart. This looks like a lot of fun. So I, I am looking forward to it coming out and, and uh, getting my hands on it. How do you prepare for a role like that versus the witcher where you have an established character in Geralt you know you know who he is at a more intimate level for many many mm. years and now I'm going into a fresh role what's that dynamic like for you as a voice actor well as a voice actor it's actually the situation of of having been associated with Geralt of Rivia since um 2005 mm. um that's when we first recorded the the first lines for uh, Witcher 1. Um, so that is actually the rarity. That's the weird one. Um, as, a, as a professional actor, you know, and, and any professional actor will, you know, agree with this and, and have, will have experienced this is you jump from job to job, from character to character. And sometimes, especially in the video game acting world, you might go into a session and do three or four characters in an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, minor characters, you know, we talked about, you know, <laughs> um, characters from uh, uh, Grand Theft, 
you know? Yes, of course. <laughs> so, um, so we're, I, I suppose it's, I'm kind of used to more often than not knowing very little about a game or, or about a character before I go in for the recording session. Um, it really depends on the project, how much the developers want to leak to their actors before the session. Um, sometimes I get more information than other times. I usually have a kind of a broad idea of what I'm going in for, whether it's going to be a military commander barking orders or whether it's going to be a, a character selling burgers in a burger stand or something like that. You know, I'll have a general broad idea, but quite often I'm cast from tapes. I, I do audition. You know, I do still have to audition on occasion, but quite often I'm, I'm cast from tapes that the studios I've worked with have of my previous recordings. So the developer will go to the voice uh, voice production studio and say, right, well, you know, here's our cast of characters. Here's, uh, we need a cast to do this. And the production company will pull out samples of various actors who they think would fit for the roles that, that are there. And um, I mean, I'm going in this, uh, is it this week that I'm going in? No, it's another another time. I'm going in for a for a job at uh, Side UK, and uh, it looks like I don't know much about it yet, and I, I couldn't say much about it even if I did. But it looks like it's going to be a fun uh, fun job. I don't know how big it is. I, I don't I don't know anything. Um, <clears throat> but. I probably won't know much more between now and when I actually go in to record. Mm -hmm. They might send me an email with a bit of a script or with a short description of the character or something like that. Or I might just show up and they'll put me on Skype with the developer and the developer will talk about the character and say, this is what we're looking for, go for it. And then I'll just, I'll, I'll present them with some voices and they'll go, yeah, that one, let's go with that one. And then off we go. And that's kind of what makes it a bit of fun as well, uh, video game voice acting, because sometimes you just don't know what exactly you're going to be doing. Um, and then, of course, more often than not, you're reading from the script. So you're having to act on the spot, um, knowing very little of the context. And that's where it, you know having a director becomes really important because they do know the context. Um, but unlike other kinds of acting where you, know, you memorize a script, you might have a rehearsal period or a very short rehearsal period, uh, in television and film. With voice acting, unless you're doing performance capture, um, there's no rehearsal. You're just in there. It's like improv. It's like a cold read every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. When, when you first started, um, so I, I want to go back to, to what you said when you had the agent and then they said, hey, these people want to you know see you for for uh for this role or whatever how did that even ha like how if you weren't in the business if you didn't have a a voice reel if you didn't have anything like that how do you even how do they even pick you out and say yeah we want to see him or was it just your agent sold you like they said no oh, this guy's great he's really easy to get along with he'll help you know whatever he's really really good actor like how does that work well it's a bit of all of that really <clears throat> um A good agent will know a lot of people in the industry. They'll know they'll know the casting directors. If not, you know, if, 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 even if they haven't met them in person, they'll know who they are and what what kind of work they tend to work on. They'll know the other agencies that are out there. They'll they'll have their fingers in a lot of different pies, and they'll certainly be suggesting you for things. But the, the way the acting industry, the way the professional industry works, 
uh, if you have an agent is um, a casting director, whether it's in-house or an ind independent one. And I'm talking in general here, yeah. but the voice, the, the voice acting kind of uh, industry works almost exactly the same, except that voice production companies tend to have in-house casting directors. Um, so the casting director will get a brief from a client. This is what we're doing. These are the characters we need to cast. Um, uh, the context for their existence in the world that we're, we're creating. Um, present us with some options. And then the casting director puts a brief out on, on you know, there, there's different forums. There, there's um, a spotlight over here in the UK. There's, uh, oh, I, I haven't been in the States for so long. I can't remember some of the outlets over there. We had Playbill, uh, we had- Playbill, uh, Script Breakdown Mandy. Service. We had like a Mandy. Yeah, we've got Mandy over here as yeah. well, yeah. Um, so, you know, the casting director will select what platforms they put the, the casting breakdown out onto and then agents who subscribe to those platforms will submit their actors for consideration. So that's one way they work. Another way they work is they might hear about a project that's that's in pre-production and maybe they'll find out through the grapevine that, uh, you know, there are certain roles available that haven't been cast yet and they might directly approach the casting director and say, one, one of my clients, Doug Cockle or whoever it is, you know, um, he's, he's really great. You should meet him for this role. I think you'd really, you know, you'd really like it. So, you know, if you have a really pushy right. agent who really knows their stuff, then they might go about it that way. But unlike something like accounting or neurosurgery, um, <laughs> acting is something anybody can just say, wake up one morning and say, I'm a professional actor. Um, so there are lots and lots of other ways to do it. Um, I mean, you mentioned Mandy, um, and I don't use Mandy, but th that's probably because I have an agent, um, and I'm, I've been a bit lazy about Mandy because I don't want to pay for the service. Uh, and I've, I've got the free account. Um, but all I've put on there is Geralt Rivia. Cause I, if I tried to put my whole, you have to put each and every single credit on there one at a time. Yeah. And yeah. I just can't be asked. <laughs> you know, sorry. Is it, is, I hope this is a, a PG thirteen podcast. Um, but yeah, I just I, I can't be bothered. I don't want to. I, I mean, I've got so many credits going back so far, not just in video games, but in film and television and theater and stuff. I was like, I was looking at that a couple of years back, and I was just like, I'd be here for three days just filling in the credits. Right. Um, so I haven't really used them. But a lot of a lot of actors who are in the early stages of their career do use it and uh, some very successfully and you know if you only have five credits to your name but some of them are you know quite nice little credits uh, then you can get on mandy and you can submit yourself for some of those roles i think on mandy a lot of the work is um well i don't look on there very often and because i don't have the paid subscription maybe i'm not seeing some of the other stuff it's a lot of low or no pay types exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's great if you're just starting out and you're if trying you to build, build up a CV. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yep. Um, but but if you do have an agent, then you know, I, I tend to just hold out for the better paid, right, gigs. I'm interested to know, as somebody who's been in the business for so long, what are the two complete opposite experiences you've had as far as recording? in a game like I, I've heard some people it's like guerrilla warfare you go in there 
and you're basically going somebody's car with a recorder and you record lines and then they run and put it into a into a couple of lines of the game like what are the the complete opposite experiences you've had re- recording vo for a game um because there's no standard right like there's no there there is no standard way of doing things anymore um especially in a post covid world where people are recording from their homes uh we we had a, a guest on the show that recorded 90 percent of the dialogue from their home studio um and yeah. just kept mailing things in getting notes mailing things in getting notes and and stuff like that um you know games are made all over the world studios mm-hmm. are in multiple continents um one studio could be in multiple continent continents so i'm just curious to know what your experience has been in all of that to be a little bit clearer in my question yeah well i i i I think i had to think about that because perhaps i've been fortunate but i i haven't had any bad experiences recording i've never recorded in somebody's car i've never (laughs) um recorded in a studio that was just too damn hot Mm -hmm. um I have been, I have recorded in some, some, you know, slightly stuffy studios, but uh, that's the nature of studios quite often, you know, to get the, to get the silence in the room, you know, you can't run the air con. So um, sometimes studio rooms do get a little bit stuffy. I think, uh, certainly, um, uh, yeah, I'm just aware, I don't want to stick my foot in it. Um, <laughs> Well, like I said, I have not had any, any actual bad experiences. Sure, just different. Uh, I've had different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the experiences differ mainly in the approach that the director takes to how they work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where I've experienced the most difference. Um, I've, I've worked with some directors who are just they're just so insightful and um and some of this is just chemistry some of this is just because you know we happen to work well together because our personalities mesh in that way um and some of this can be um if one of us rubs the other one up the wrong way when we first meet or something like that then it it gets a little bit a little bit bristly perhaps but you know i'm a professional and and they're professional and um you know, you get the work done. Um, I have had some directors who insist on giving line readings, mm. and I find that really frustrating. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm willing to accept line readings. Sorry for the for those watching who don't know what a line reading is. A line reading is when the dir- director tells an actor exactly how to say the line, mm. what words to emphasize, um, how to inflect the line, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, you know, as an actor, I, I pride myself on being able to interpret words on a page and process them and turn them into a performance. That's what I do. Um, so, you know, <laughs> putting it crudely, if you just want me to mimic the director sitting on the other side of the glass, then sure, I can do that. But then there's no artistry for me. I'm just copying what they're doing. Right. Um, and for me, that just that doesn't feel. There's no fun in that either because I'm just being told what to say and how to say it. Whereas 
with a director who, and sometimes that's necessary, to be honest. Sometimes directors, even the really, the really good ones who don't do line readings normally, sometimes they have to give a line reading because they know something about this character in this moment in time that perhaps the actor isn't picking up on. And because, you know, actors are humans, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're imperfect. So maybe for whatever reason, you know, I'll have set a line three different ways and all of them are wrong. And the director's trying to get me, you know, without giving a line reading to, to where they know the line needs to be or think the line needs to be. And I'm just not doing it. So they might then offer a suggestion and that's absolutely fine. Sometimes that's necessary. Um, but I prefer, I prefer it when directors um, approach the work, um, when, when they offer suggestions. Um, I don't even know if I can give an example. It's something that happens very much in the moment. Um, so I might've said the line, they might say, um, just give a little weight to, to this word. Give this word a little bit more weight this next time around. And that to me, that could mean all kinds of things. It could mean louder, it could mean higher pitched, it could be lower pitched, it could be uh, um, just stressed uh, vocally. Um, it could be a, a, an inflection up or down. Um, but if they give me that suggestion, then it's up to me to interpret what that means. Um, and that's where the artistry of the actor comes through, I think. And you know, the director might have been thinking about something in particular. Can you just give that word a little extra weight? Um, and in their mind, they might've been hearing one thing and I might produce something else, but they'll go, that was good actually. I like that, we're gonna keep that. So it's not necessarily what the director was absolutely looking for, but it works. And perhaps it's even better because the director's not infallible either, you know, they're, and, 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 and that is part of their art as well, to help the actor get to where they need to be. I hope that answered your question kind of sort of. It's, Absolutely. That's where the different, the major difference is. There are studios that um, uh, are more forthcoming with things like tea. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, you know, the offer of tea is on the half hour and sometimes it's on, you know, on the two hour point. Um, and, you know, but every, every place does things differently and you kind of, you know, as you work with different studios and different people and you get to know them, you start to kind of, you, you start to understand the rhythms that each individual place and each individual has. And then you just adapt your, your approach to the work, depending on that, uh, that atmosphere. You know, you mentioned the director having like that special insight into a character and how they should sound in a particular scene or how a line should be spoken in most cases voice actors come in at the tail end when you have an established story and a narrative do you think for a larger scale uh, production that guys like you should come a little bit earlier in that process um i think it would be great if we could and i, I I'm, I'm on record um talking about this i was uh, um I, I was slightly gobsmacked when uh, BAFTA asked me to be on a panel at um, uh, one of their events, and I was um, uh, I was a I was a new BAFTA member, and um, I'd been on a, a judging panel and stuff. But they asked me to be on this narrative in games panel, and the chair of the panel was a writer, a games a writer for games. And the two people who I was on the panel with were both game developers. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was a narrative um, 
worked on developing narrative uh, for games. And the other one, I think he was he was the studio. You know, it, it was a small independent studio, and, and you know, it, 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 the game they were working on was his baby. Mm. And uh, so they they were developers talking about narrative in games, and I was just like, I'm an actor. I I, I interpret narrative, but I don't create it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why am I here? But they asked that same question. You know, what what are well, well they asked a the question similar. They said, um, uh, the chair said, well, you know, what are some things that you you think you'd like to recommend to the industry from your perspective? Um, that might be worth considering, you know, and we had, had this room, I don't know, three, 400 people, most of them developers. And when it came my turn to speak, I said, well, you know, I know there might be cost implications and I understand that, but I think it would be really, really exciting to be in on the, on the narrative development and the script writing earlier on as an actor so that you know, in, in, in whatever capacity, not as a writer, I'm not a writer, I'm an actor, I interpret mm-hmm. words off a page. Um, but to be involved with the writers while they're developing their ideas, perhaps, to just, you know, to pitch some thoughts into the mix, to read early drafts mm-hmm. and perhaps read them aloud uh, with the writers. Because um, plays often do, the playwrights, uh, not always, but, you know, playwrights are known to do this quite often you know they'll they'll have a read through with a, a group of actors who they know to get a sense of how their play is sounding because ultimately plays aren't read they're they're experienced they're heard they're watched um so i think that would be a really cool thing to develop in the games industry as a way for actors to be part of the development process so that we're not just interpreting the end results of a larger process that but that we could actually be a part of developing um, that end result. I think that would be really exciting. Yeah, and that way you can get to that specific line read organically because you know what the character should sound like or more a sense of how they would be in a situation. Yeah, in an ideal world. I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is that time is money. And, right. you know, actors just like plumbers and electricians don't work for free, you know, or, or they try not to anyways. All actors work for free at some point early in their career because that's the only way to get your CD going, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... It, I wouldn't expect developers to pay usual voice actor um, hourly rates for something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a um, an hourly fee based on something else entirely, I don't know. Uh, or it could be a contractual overall fee sum over a period of time. I, I don't know how it would work, but it would have a fee implication. And that's the thing right. that, that's why it doesn't happen at the moment because Games are expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. And they take a you very know? long time. And they take a long time. So mm-hmm. to have an actor or, you know, more than one actor, because they wouldn't, you know, like Geralt of Rivia, they wouldn't just have me coming in to look at the scripts. They they would want to have, the you know, the, the actor playing um, Dandelion in for their storylines. They'd want to have, you know, Yen in for her storylines, mm-hmm. Triss in for hers, Siri for hers, you know. Um, and so at some point they'd have to cut it off. But if you have, if you have Triss in 
for a read through, then you've got to have the other characters as well. So you've got to have other actors because you can't just have the developers sitting there dryly reading, not all, <laughs> sorry, developers. It's a, not about that you're all terrible actors, but you know, you, that's not that's not what you do. <laughs> to get a real sense of a script, you'd have to have actors playing all of the roles so that you can hear what how all of those roles come off the page. In the, in the case of The Witcher, um, because that script has to be absolutely massive, um, there's more side quests than I think there are words in the dictionary. And like, do they, do they do the recordings first with you and then animate around it? Or did you look like, how does that work? Cause that, that game has so many options, so many variables. Like, I feel like what you're describing as far as like table reading or whatever would be, would be beneficial in some cases for those bigger scenes like those more story beat those big beats in the story but maybe not necessarily the uh there's somebody uh there, there there's a big uh, bad wolf man in eating my crops and oh i'll take care of it and you know like it, maybe that is not something you want to sit around a table and do but like you know what what is that process like for a game like the witcher i can only talk about it from my perspective sure um what I, and and I, I would like to learn more, actually. I, I would like, to, I've got to do this. There, there are some conferences and stuff that I go to in the UK uh, for games development. And I should just sit down with some of my friends for, who are developers and quiz them on some of this stuff. Because I don't actually know that much about the actual process before I get involved. Uh, I mean, I, I know the names of some of the roles. I, I know that there are producers. I know that you know there are narrative designers. I know that there are... Um, art directors and you know I, I know there are all these different roles that people play um but i don't at the moment really understand how how every how games are, are actually literally pulled together <laughs> what i can say though is that from my perspective it's um it, it's chaotic but in the in in the most positive kind of way um, with Witcher 3, I often didn't know what I was going in to record. Um, sometimes I did, because if, if we had like three sessions back to back, uh, you know, three, three days in a row, then we might be recording the same storyline and different branches of the same storyline, depending on the choices that the character makes, uh, the player makes. Um, so sometimes you're in that kind of a loop. You're like, okay, right, we're still in the... Uh, uh, find the goat scenario story storyline right um, but you could from one session to another jump between storylines in di completely different places in the game and it I think it my perception of it is it depends almost entirely on where the writers are at because quite often they have multiple writers writing multiple narrative storylines and then eventually all those all those storylines all those scripts have to go through one or two people who approve them finally approve them for release to the voice production studio sometimes in my experience this doesn't happen until the night before the recordings are done so there's often a quite a i mean i remember with i can't remember if it was witcher 2 or witcher 3 i i remember walking into the studio some days and literally the script had come through an hour beforehand and there's a lot of work that the voice production studios have to do to put that script into a into a form. Uh, it's an Excel spreadsheet with lots of bells and whistles. 
and I don't I don't know how they build all those bells and whistles and stuff, but you know it's so that so that as we record, uh, the director can identify favorite takes, favored takes, uh, but also so that the the people who plug those those files into the game. Um, know exactly where they, I mean, they've all got individual file names they've all and they and they're related to it, places within the, the the visual journey of the game uh and other things as well so it's all quite complicated actually so you know um oh, and you want to be involved more early in the process you are you're a glutton for punishment apparently <laughs> no that, that sounds yeah. like chaos but at, but like like you said the best type of chaos like really fun you know go in just go nuts and have a blast and who knows discover things together with the team and and your other yeah. actors and stuff like that like it just sounds like so much fun oh man and sometimes sometimes as well um uh i mean if the script is is well put together uh all sorted out and stuff then it's just recording you just record and you know you record each line several times until the director's happy that we've got you know good stuff to deliver but I've done quite a few games as well where they've they've been written in, in another language first. I mean, Witcher 3 was, it was written in Polish and then translated to English. And then um, the main, uh, the English version was the first version recorded. Mm. Um, but I've done some games, um, particularly from Germany. There's a studio I've worked with quite a lot that does a lot of games from Germany. And quite often, the way the session goes is we have a script, but the developer is quite aware that, that perhaps their translation um, could use some tweaking. And the studio either has had time uh, and has already made a first round of, of tweaks, or they haven't had time to make those tweaks because the script was delivered too late for them to do that. And quite often with that studio in particular, I find myself in a position that's really interesting. I, I, find, I, I find it quite fun um, uh, that we are looking at the translation and going, that doesn't quite ring right in English. What is it you're actually trying to say? And then I become quite involved in, in creating the dialogue because as the developer kind of explains what the character's trying to accomplish, trying to do, um, just a little tweak of a word or the order of the words in the sentence can change the meaning quite dramatically, no pun intended. Um, and so I find myself in a position where I'm having to be um, a creative editor as well, a dialogue editor in, in, in live recording sessions. Mm. And that's that's a that, that's just a, a, a you know a slightly different way of approaching it, but I find that work really interesting because I'm good with words. I like words, um, and I like I like language, and so playing with those lines, you know, if I go in and the script is what it is, say these lines, get the get the performance, great, that's fun too. Um, but sometimes having that opportunity to to directly impact on the script itself is uh, quite exciting. Andy, do you have any final questions before we uh, do something fun that I have prepared? I was going to say, and Witcher 3 is so massive, I think legend has it that Doug is still recording lines till this day. Mm -hmm. That is the legend. <laughs> that I'm still recording lines. This yeah. is still recording lines for The Witcher 3. <laughs> still doing it. We, you heard it here, for, you heard it here first, folks. But speaking of lines, 
uh, for The Witcher 3. Uh, we're going to do a little rapid fire segment here, and then we'll get you out of here because we know we, we had to start a little bit late today. We don't want to keep you too long. So, yeah, don't don't worry too much about that. It's it's Sunday afternoon for me. For <laughs> well, for me, it's Sunday afternoon. It's midday gotcha. for you guys. Um, happy to give you the time that we scheduled in. No, no worries. Um, so I want to do a small game here where <laughs> we've done this with other actors who are known for famous roles, and I think I would like to. Uh, give you some some Geralt challenges uh, where Andy and I will come up with some scenarios for Geralt and we'll just get a one line or two and see uh, see how you would uh, perform this this situation um, <laughs> the the first scenario is uh, Geralt is ordering his lunch at the McDonald's drive-through into the into the the uh the little box into the little box that's correct <laughs> can i take your order yes i'd like the uh big mac meal please with a strawberry milkshake and uh could i get some of those um jalapeno fry things chicken fry things those are really good thanks what's on your want? what what size? Um, large. See, that was good. So that was good because it, it, Gerald had Gerald had some some context there. He's been there before. I like that you didn't make this like a Encino man, you know, fish out of water scenario. This right. was good. He knew what he wanted. That that's very good. Andy, do you got one for him? I do. I really okay. actually do. Okay. So you have scheduled for the internet service provider to come install the router modem thing. And there's a window between 8 a.m. and noon. And they show up at 6 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> and you answer the door. What do you say to the very late gentleman? <laughs> say. <sighs> you took your time. Swing. <laughs> oh, oh man. Deals oh. for humans. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> All right, here's another one. <clears throat> Geralt, Geralt of Rivia, who's a witcher and lives very long. We well, you know this. He's gonna, he could live very long. Uh, who knows? Maybe some new spells. Uh, he is uh, trying to get into a parking spot at the at the uh at the movie theater okay there's a, there's a parking garage trying to get the parking he's about to pull into a spot and the wouldn't you know it this sob pulls right in front of him takes the spot comes out gives him a little wink and keeps walking how does Geralt react to this situation roach you know what to do and then Roach climbs up on top of the roof of the car. I like that. And stomps around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, I got I got a good one, I think. We're at an award ceremony. And they've just given an award for the best video game character. This is like, you all exist in this. It's like uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph, got it. Right, yeah. Uh, you, all, you all exist. So the winner cannot be there and you're asked to accept the award on their behalf <laughs> what does Geralt say to the audience and you were also um, a runner up for the award 
Okay, who's the winner? Oh, uh, the winner. Game? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. The winner is. Because that would depend. You know, I, that, I, that I know depend. it. I know the answer. The winner is. Shit, hold on. I had it in my head. Conquer from Conquer Bad Fur Day. <laughs> I don't know that character. Oh, he's a foul-mouthed. What is he? A squirrel? Like what is? I think he's a squirrel. He's yeah, a, a foul-mouthed squirrel from the old Nintendo 64 days. And in in that game, there is a song. Uh, he fights a poo monster. Uh, that's right, a big poo monster. So it's very, very juvenile. Just put it that way. Okay. So Adult a, a juvenile. So <laughs> you've just lost to a foul-mouthed squirrel. Is, is the, okay. Is the, is the setup there? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for this opportunity to accept an award on the behalf of a foul-mouthed squirrel. Personally, I think Conquer is a... Um, a disgrace to this industry, but clearly the panel, the awards panel, have decided that uh, he's cooler than me and my white hair and swords. So let's give it up for Conquer <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Geralt hates Conquer is the title of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be quite honest about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think that he'd he'd be. You know, he's not one to mince his words. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's here's a final one, and then we'll just do a very quick rapid fire. Um, <laughs> Geralt is babysitting, mm. and it's a very small baby that just won't go to sleep. Mm. Geralt picks up said baby, and is gonna tell is gonna try and lull the baby to sleep. How does Geralt handle the situation? Besides probably using magic and just making the thing go to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. How does he lull a baby to sleep? What's that fire spell called? <laughs> Igni. Igni. Yeah, Igni. <laughs> oh, good one though. Oh yeah, maybe he would... Um... <sighs> Which one is the one where he, he like... It does the Jedi mind trick thing. Is that Ard? Ard is the is the guard one, right? Isn't that the shield? Is it Axie? I think That's so. Right. Axie. Mm-hmm. Axie. <laughs> so maybe he would yeah, maybe he would just do a little Axie on the on the baby. Yeah, so it'd be like <laughs> you will sleep. You will not cry. You will not wet yourself or poo yourself. Because I don't want to change a nappy. Sleep, little baby. Sleep, little baby. Oh, you'll love to see it. <laughs> you'll love yeah, to see it. Yeah, I'm too literal. I, I wish. I wish I had like no. That's of a great. You know, so stand up. These are sound it, bites, man. These are great. It really <laughs> makes me wonder. And we can now we can segue into like a quick rapid fire to end the show. Yeah. How often do you lean into that voice at like the local pub? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it is funny because um, uh, it, it, it slips out of me. It's, mm-hmm. When I first started doing Geralt's voice in Witcher 1, it was a real push for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a natural part of my register. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, it's become a natural part of my register. Uh, it's, like, it's like an athlete training. You, know, you, you break down the muscles and you build them up again. And over time, those muscles get stronger and more, um, uh, you know, with, with more... Uh, Fluidity, Stamina it's like a muscle, muscle memory. 
Yeah, it is kind of. So I do yeah. find myself not so much at the pub and stuff, but, you know, like around the house, I'll, you know, I'll just be walking around the house talking to myself, you know, and <laughs> if it's properly to myself, I might be, oh man, I have to remember to do the dishes because we got people coming over tonight. <laughs> just very, very banal stuff, you know, <laughs> oh, where'd those red socks go? <laughs> You know, just things, and I, I won't be trying to do the Gerald voice. It'll just kind right. of happen, right. but I'll, I'll hear it. I'll go, oh, there he is again. So Gerald, <laughs> Gerald might be some sort of dark, deep corner of your personality that is just urging to come out. And if a Witcher game doesn't come out every eight to ten years, there, there might be issues psychologically there. I think that's what we're getting at. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Do you know? I think it, when I was, um, it is kind of. <laughs> Uh, some some people watching this might think I think I think Doug Cockle's insane. I think he's bonkers. <laughs> um, but very early on, when I was a young boy, I fell in love with wolves. I just loved wolf, wolves and dogs and everything canine, um, but wolves in particular. And I read everything I could find about them and um, uh, watched documentaries and everything else. And, and then when I was a teenager, when I was old enough. Oh. Um, we're showing ink. Nice. Wow. Very yeah, nice. So this, this is long, long before The Witcher. Yeah, something's happening here. And I've always kind of <laughs> identified with with the wolf and the wolf pack and the, you know, my my romantic notions, but also the reality of some of it as well, of, of, of what it represents, how they how they work, how they do things, what the, why they do things. Um, and I just I've, I've always kind of related psychologically to the wolf and, and the wolf pack. And um, so when Gerald came up and, and his nickname, as we know, is the White Wolf, mm -hmm. um, uh, it just felt a little bit like serendipity. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Little little destiny. That's really cool. Yeah, a little bit of destiny. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, Gerald, Gerald and Doug Cockle, Gerald of Rivia and Doug Cockle somewhere in the space dust out there are made of the same bits of space dust <laughs> it's really cool i love it <laughs> rapid fire time is mm -hmm. cereal a soup mm. cereal or soup is cereal a soup oh is cereal a soup i suppose it could be mm. not really because most soups don't have milk in most. they might have cream right mm -hmm. but not generally milk it depends on how you make your cereal, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to modify the cereal to fit the soup narrative. Mm. <laughs> Andy? Mm. Pine pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely, if it's with ham. Oh, with mm, ham, oh. okay. okay. Yeah, no, that's, that, <laughs> I, I believe that, yeah. That, I, like, I think that's a nice see. prerequisite. <laughs> Would you rather have the ability to time travel or teleport? That's a tough one. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I like it. This is good. Well, wow. well, you know, this this is big philosophical stuff here, man. You know, mm -hmm. this you, you don't do this on a podcast. <laughs> you do this over a round of drinks or or something else. You know, late at night. Um. Oh. Right. Well, today I'm feeling teleport. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, I would want both, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, there are benefits to both. But I think teleportation would be a really cool one to have because although with time travel, you could go back and, you know, revisit times or see future moments and stuff, and that would be quite cool. Um, with teleportation, you could experience the now in multiple places. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, uh, you know, if I was, you know, sitting here, I could teleport to um, halfway across the world next to a waterfall or something and then and then to the grand canyon and then to uh you know a shack in the sahara desert or something i don't know who knows you know but you know you could just zip around the the now yeah that would be pretty cool definitely right so you have your teleportation powers where's the first place you go um today i'd go home i would go i would go see my dad um because he's he he lives in um Tacoma, Washington. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't seen him in uh, nearly two years. We, you know, we Skype call and, you know, video call and stuff like that, but it's, it's different. So if I had that power, you know, I'd I'd give him a call first, you know, in case he had, you know, guests or, you know, taking a shower or something. Right. Saying, hey, dad, I'm thinking of popping over, you know, literally popping over. (laughs) Uh, Are you free? Are you available? You know, and then if he said yes, I'd think, okay, see you in Literally one second, bing, show up in his kitchen. Probably give him a heart attack and ruin the whole thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's how you phone ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Well, yeah, that is true. Stay, yeah, but, stay you know. clear of the of the doorway. <laughs> wait, what, wait, yeah, what what do I say, Dad? I've just acquired this really cool power. I can teleport. You'd be like, what? <laughs> oh, okay, son. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's another one. It's another one of those dang video games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk vacation, or as you call it over there on, uh, where you live, holiday. Yeah. Mountain retreat or beach getaway? Mountain retreat. Mm. What is something you have done that should have killed you? Oh, my goodness. What haven't I done that should have killed me? <laughs> um, what is something that I've done that should have killed me? Okay, I don't know if this is boring or not, but I fell down the stairs in my house mm-hmm. oh. one night. I'd had a couple beers. I wasn't like drunk, drunk or anything like that. Just, just a little bit tipsy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but my foot just caught the edge of a stair right at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And in our house, we have a, a kind of a narrow stairwell, and the stairs are narrow, like, like you know not standard people comment treads. on it kind of thing yeah exactly yeah, right. and um and i just went whoo, head first down the stairs and must somehow kind of managed to break my fall a little bit but i landed and i was upside down on the stairs with my head twisted around on on the stair and um, i was just kind of laying there thinking i wonder if i should move and then my sons i have two teenage sons and they were still up and they heard this god awful thump, and they came out of the room and went, "Dad, oh my God, are you okay?" You know that that kind of scenario, and uh, and they came and kind of helped me get back up and stuff. But yeah, that was one of those moments where I actually actually think that I, had I not managed to break my fall just that little bit that I did, I probably would have broken my neck. Mm, it would have been a death becomes her moment. Right? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, it's messed up. 
I don't like that. That's not much fun though. I mean, there are other things. Like I used to be a skater, and oh. uh, when I when I was a teenager, and um, riding those ramps, I did some stuff that yeah, it probably should have killed me. Goodness, there you have quite a life. Can we write a book about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cr- now you're now you now I could see. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would call it uh, blood and beer. Blood and beer. Blood and beer. Well, I wasn't a pro skater. I was, you know, I was very, very amateur. But you know, I was, I was catching air. And I went to a skate park once, uh, and that that vert ramp or that half pipes, it's freaking scary. Yeah. I got up to the top. I never got to do one of them. Yeah, I never got to do one of those really big ones. You know, the Mm. the the Tony Hawk. Yeah, you got to. I don't know any of the current skaters. I don't know. know. I did the home the homemade ramps in people's backyards. Sure, sure, sure. Still, still. Oh, that well, that definitely should have killed you. (laughs) You know, with a steel pipe coping at the top. You know, all you had to do was hit your head on it on a fall, and that's all she wrote. Um, mm, You'll love to see it. Uh, Let's see. Let's get a couple more here, Andy, and then we'll do the final question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your beer of choice? Mm-hmm. Oh well, today my beer of choice is Beaver Town Neck Oil, Ooh. straight from Beaver Town. <laughs> Beaver Town Neck Oil. You'll love to see it. Delicious. Is, um, it's it's actually an American beer. I'm pretty sure. So what is it? It looks like a. Is it a lager? It's a session IPA. Oh, an IPA. Okay. Okay. Or only four point three percent, so it's you know it doesn't pack a particular punch. Um, yeah, I don't know where it's from. I'm pretty sure it's. Um, oh, it says it's. Oh no, maybe it's English. Beavertown Brewery, London, United Kingdom. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah, I thought it was American. I don't know why. Not a sponsor of the show, but you know what? Check it out if you're uh, I was over there. Gonna say, can we clip that and finally get a sponsor for the show? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, let's get you one more question and then I'll hit us up with the go home. All right. Um, Doug, you are in a room with Captain America before he's Captain America. Mm. He's about to get the super serum. Mm. But like, you know what? This guy's not worthy. We're going to get Doug in there instead. They give you the serum. Would you use your powers for good or for evil? Oh, definitely for good. But, you know, I was in the room with Captain America before he was Captain America. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, you'll, you'll find me as the, the character was originally called Young Doctor. Mm-hmm. And then they cast me. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. I was I think I was pushing 42 or 43 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, see, yeah. that should have been the what if tale it's screw agent carter the young doctor gets the serum instead and then yeah he takes it he, he actually he doesn't get it he oh. just he, he nabs it sticks it in his arm and then suddenly you know get good. jacked all right yeah. final question doug now this is uh you've you've been on podcasts you've done many interviews in your life um you, you've had a lot of questions asked of you but none have carried so, so much weight and and consequence as the question we are about to ask you right now um it is a simple question it is a binary question there is there is this or that type answer um so it should come very fairly easy but understand that literally the world is on your shoulders right now at least okay someone's world can crumble 
whereas another ones will prosper. And the sim I think I know what the question, question is simple. Yeah, <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> Andy or Steve? Oh, that's not the question. That's it. Interpret Andy it how or you Steve? like. Interpret it how you like. Wait, wait. What did you think the question was going to be? Uh, Yen or Tris? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. That's I went, the binary I went, question I, yen. I, I usually get. <laughs> I go yen. I just, I, I need the maturity in my life. Okay, so so the question is, Andy or Steve? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, today I'm feeling like a threesome, so I'm going with both of you. There we is. go. Booyah. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> that, that, that gets its own special column. We've had both before, but not, uh -huh. not the, the specific word threesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at dual underscore screens. I am at batchout 27 Andy is at pantsguy. And our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash DS podcast. Doug, where could everybody find you and everything you've been doing lately? Right. You can find me on Twitter. It's just at dcockle. Uh, or Instagram at Doug Cockle. Um, uh, you can also uh, on my Twitter uh, page. You can you can order cameos and things like that if you have a birthday or oh, that's awesome. if, you, if you have someone who's having a birthday who's a big Witcher fan, things like that. So yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter, but I'm, I am on Instagram as well. And uh, of course, we have uh, Tales of Iron. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So go go wish list that bad boy. When's it coming out? It's sometime later this month, 17th or something like that. The day that this interview drops. Mm -hmm. So go go and, right. uh, you know, if you actually it's available. So, yeah, download it now. There you go. Mm -hmm. Go go get yeah. it. Beautiful. Kill some, kill some frogs. Kill the hell out of some frogs. Let's, let's be honest here, Doug. Frogs need to be taken down a peg a little bit, all right? Yeah, man. They, it's their time just... to get just put in their place. Yeah, we should let rats prosper. Yes. Yeah, rat, I mean, that, I'm... Won't, that won't go horribly wrong for society. Sorry, Australia. The toads just get so crazy. You know, they're all neurotic about their long legs and stuff. And they, you know, just, it, they get all yeah. croaky on you. And, it, it all, you know, those it all starts with freaky. the whole licking of the tongues to get, right. you know, and uh, the licking of the frogs with your tongue. Yeah, it's just, it's a big Ugh. mess. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Doug, for being here. Thank you, Andy, as always. Please be excellent to each other. <laughs>